wasn't prepared for that. I didn't even turn my mic on. Well, good morning. How did you enjoy your extra hour of sleep? Yeah. How many of you stayed up an hour longer? Be honest. Uh, that's on you. It is always a privilege to be here and to be uh, speaking. Um, but would you just bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Lord, we invite you to come and do what you want to do this morning. We have no other hope. We have no other stability than you. So often we get pulled away, caught up in our own stuff. But God, we know we need you. This morning, Lord, would you, would you speak to us clearly? There is nothing special about this man. Lord, I'm just your conduit to speak. My heart today is that you would be known, that you would be felt, and that, God, you would do the work. Let your glory come. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, our message this morning is on hope. And I'm going to... I'm going to confuse them a little bit up there. I'm, I want to read the verse right away, and then I, I want to share some things. This is one of my favorite passages, one of my life verses. It's Hope 6, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It is Hope 6. <laughs> hope 6 a.m. It says this, in, starting in verse 18. So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have run into his heart, to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm behind, beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. I read that out of the, the Passion Translation because I love how the wording and how it uses. So your, your version might be a little different, but the, the truth is, remains the same. We have this hope that is an anchor of our soul, and it's steadfast and secure. I don't know how this always works, but for the past several months, there's just been this reoccurring theme in my life about hope. Usually, I'm asking God, okay, what's the message that you have? And I'm usually doing that three days before I have to speak. Oh, God, what is it? <laughs> Not this time. This has been months in planning, and I knew what I was going to be sharing on. And I had just been having all of these reminders over and over again. Songs. We sang a few of them today. You know, it's like, I don't know if they became more clear, more evident, or what. You know, there's always around, but listening and hearing the word hope, the message of hope, and going back in my journal and looking at over the last several months, even close to a year of how many things I wrote in there about hope. Now, there's this crazy thing in our bodies called RAS. It's reticular activating system, and it's this nucleus of cells at the base of our, our skull. And it does things like this, like when you buy a brand new car, and you're in it, you're driving it, you begin to notice the, those, that same car everywhere. You see it all, all, everywhere you want. He's like, you're driving, oh, there's our car. There's, he's like, everybody bought the car at the same time. Or you want something really badly, and then you see it everywhere. You see signs of it everywhere. It's this reticular activating system. And that's what's been happening with this whole message, this idea of hope. I'm seeing it in my devotions, in my journal, my random readings of just reading stuff and conversations with people throughout the last several weeks. And I want to ask this question. Do you guys, do you remember those times when you really hope for something? Like maybe you're going on vacation and you hope, man, I, the weather's good. I just hope it's really, it's just hot, it's beautiful. Uh, or the place that you, you reserved or rented, you hope... It's nice that they just weren't made of pictures or whatever. Uh, you have these hope. Maybe you hope that the Packers win today. 
and actually get back on track and get some steam rolling and win the playoffs. Maybe you're a Browns fan for some reason and you just hope for another win. <laughs> but we have this we have this idea of hope. Now, I like to go on vacations and I like to go to the Caribbean. We don't get there very often. <laughs> but when you plan it, we all, we like to plan it when it's the coldest here. Like end of January, February, it's like let's let's go. Let's go somewhere warm. So I like to go to the Caribbean. And then you, you book that, that thing, and then you're like, man, I hope it's nicer. <laughs> I hope it's warm. Because nothing would be worse than if they had storms the whole time, and you left. And then it's nice here. Because that's the worst, right? It's like, ah. So to be completely honest, I actually hope it's beautiful where I'm going, and it's miserable here when I'm gone. <laughs> I don't speak it out loud, but I'm going to be honest with you and myself. That's what I really believe. I mean, I hope it's blistering cold and you get lots of snow and it's gone by the time I come back. Sorry, that's just me being honest. We have these things we hope for that are really out of our control. How about this one? Maybe you thought this before you were going to get married. Jesus, just don't come back before the wedding. <laughs> I hear this a lot. We do marriage counseling. It's like, man, I hope the Lord doesn't come back before we get married. We have these hopes that are out of our control, but we still have hope. Hope is an expect, expectation or a belief in the fulfillment of something that is desired. The picture that we have for hope this morning is an anchor. We, I'm sure we all know what an anchor does, right? It's attached to a ship or a boat, and it goes down into the depths, and it secures itself to the bottom, holding that ship or that boat in place so that it doesn't drift and it doesn't, it doesn't move where we don't want it to move. It's this great symbol of hope. It's this great idea that it's, there's this thing that's not that massive unless it's a bigger ship, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen these huge military aircraft carriers and stuff, and you're like, man, that thing's massive. And then you see the anchor, and you're like, how does that hold that? Even though they're ginormous, they're incredibly huge, it holds that ship. It does what it's supposed to do. I love to go fishing. And I haven't been able to do it for the past several summers. I have a boat, a bass boat. I love to go bass fishing. So you, it's funny because when you're a bass fisherman, you're on the boat in the water throwing to shore. But then you see fishermen on the shore throwing out to the boat. But that's what we do. So I love to be there. Usually I'm always with someone because who likes to fish alone? Because then you just come back with fishing stories. But I'm using the front controlling the trolley motor and someone's in the back and we go along the shore and we're fishing and at this one this one particular day I'm fishing with somebody and we're casting and we hit this spot and we start catching fish well because there was a slight, slight breeze and the waves and everything we were moving for, back, or away from that so we had to troll back get to that spot and finally we decided why don't we just anchor here and fish until we don't catch any more fish so we do that we get there we put our anchors in I put it in the front he puts it in the back and we're there and we're fishing Side by side, we're talking, and pretty soon, I notice that my partner's no longer on the side of me. He's on this side of me, and he's trying to get to the shore. He's got this bad angle, and I'm like, bro, didn't you throw the anchor in? And I catch his eye, and he looks at me with this look on his face. I'm like, he's like, I threw the anchor in, but he forgot to attach it to the clasp. <laughs> it was my brand new anchor. The anchor did exactly what it was supposed to do. It sank to the bottom, and I'm sure it secured itself, but it wasn't attached to the boat, and so it wasn't able to do what it was intended to do. I think many times that we put our expectations and our beliefs in things, in people, in finances, and our own strengths, sometimes we put our expectations and our hope in our jobs and our finances and our health in our marriage, in our families, our homes, our grandkids. And when those things fail, when they're not tied securely or something happens, we find disappointment and we lose hope because we're not attached to something that is strong enough to hold us. Now, biblical hope is hope what, in what God has done, the cross and the resurrection, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
and what he will do in the future. It's based on the promises of God and the truth of his word, who, and he has proven himself over and over and over again. Time and time again, he's always come through. And that's where we put our hope. And I wonder this morning, what are you connected to? What is your anchor secured to? Do you feel like you've been drifting or disconnected and floating aimlessly around? What do you hope for? What, do you, what have you given up unhoped for? Do you remember the times when you felt hopelessness? What got you through? And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here and you feel like you're drifting aimlessly, that there's no security and there's no hope and God wants you to know there is hope, and it's him. And our passage again this morning says, it is impossible for God to lie. For we know that he, his promises and his vow will never change. And now we have run into this, into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has, he has already, what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. This has already been done. And so we have this certain hope, like this strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in the heavenly realm behind the sacred threshold, and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. This is our hope. It doesn't matter where we're at, what we're going through, what we've been through. Our hope is in the anchor of Jesus. It's not based on anything else but his promises and truth of his word. He cannot lie. And everything around us might, probably will, change. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always will be. He doesn't change. I think that everything in life should have an asterisk next to it. And at the bottom, it should say, subject to change. Because everything in life is subject to change. I don't care how, many, how well you plan, how detailed you are, how organized you are, life will bring change. There are things that will happen that we're not prepared for. How are you anchored? What are you anchored to? Point number one, hope brings stability in the storm. I want you to picture your hope this morning as an anchor. And hope brings stability in the storm. We will face storms in our life. There'll be dark days. There'll be things in our life that blindside us that we're not prepared for, that we didn't plan on, that we didn't have on the agenda. It wasn't on the calendar. Other things are in the calendar. This really disrupts it. There will be times when we just drift away because we're too busy, we're too caught up in our own stuff, or we're too caught up doing what needs to get done that we lose hold of the anchor of Jesus and we begin to drift. But our verse reminds us this morning, we have this unshakable hope. I was reminded of this passage in Isaiah and Isaiah has this unfortunate job of telling the Judeans uh, what God is about to do because the Ju Judah's been in rebellion uh, over and over and over again. And finally, God's like, this is what's going to happen. And he begins to give them all this bad news. And Isaiah has to go tell, every, tell them, hey, this is going to happen. And it's not good. It's the consequences of their decisions. But, but the Lord says, hey, you need to go tell them this. And then the Lord says this right in the middle in verse um, 2 of Isaiah 43. He reminds them this. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God is reminding Israel, during this time, it's going to be really bad. This is not what you planned for. This is a, a response to the decisions that you've made, but you won't drown and you won't be consumed by fire. You, you're going to make it because I am with you. I don't know what you're going through, but you do and God does. This is the promise that I can give you. You will not be destroyed. 
you will not be defeated. Get your eyes off of the situation and onto the one who is secure, the one who is strong, the one who is unbreakable and unshakable and who will not fail you. We will not be destroyed. And I I need you to notice this in this verse. When. Can you go back to that verse? When you go through deep waters. When you go through the fire. Because this is one of those reminders of it's not an if this happens, it's a when this happens. Because of the world that we live in and the stuff that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, when you go through the junk, I will be with you. That's hard, but that's the reality and that's true. Storms are going to happen. They're all around us. Fasten yourself to the anchor because this storm too will pass. In, 19, or in 2009, um, let me back up a little bit. I'm a pretty positive person. There are people that are half cup pe- people, half cup full and half cup empty. I'm like two thirds full all the time. I'm like, I just see the positive in things. It's like, let's look at the, uh, be optimistic. I mean, I'm optimistic that the Packers will still win the Super Bowl. Uh, whatever. The things can happen. I'm an optimistic person, but in 2009, there was a lot of stuff that was happening here at Lake City Church. I don't have time to go into details. Tom has shared some things. We have shared some things before. It was just a, it was just a dark time in my life personally. There was three years of just intense uh, struggle ministry-wise, doing so much, and, and I'm not the only one in it. There was many of us that's going through this together and trying to figure out God's heart and his plan and his purpose and where we were going to go, and we were all doing multiple tasks away from what we really felt like God was, what we were supposed to do. But in that moment, you look back now going, oh, okay, God was doing something in us all. And and so it was just a really dark time, and it was, uh, it was late 2009, and I had just, I was done. I was like, this just looks hopeless. It's too, I don't know where it's going. I don't feel any desire anymore. I'm just done. And so we were looking to do anything else. And uh, at that point, two different friends of mine, their churches had called and said, hey, we're interested in, in this. Would you be interested? And I was like, absolutely, yes. There's like this tinge of hope again because I just felt a hopelessness here in my own life and in, in Lake City. And, and we went through this whole process of, of going to a specific church. And the only downside was that it was in Minnesota. And, and we'd done Minnesota before, so we're like, okay, we can make that happen. Um, and so we just went through this entire process, and it was like, it was a go all the way. And then this one thing happened, and, and my wife says to me, but what if, what about this? And as soon as she said it, I knew she was right. And so I dreaded it. It's like, yeah, I just need to contact him. I need to call him. I need to, I need to ask that question. But in my heart, I knew it, when I asked that question, it was over. The interview done. I mean, we were like two-thirds through this thing, this interview. And, and I asked the questions. I just said, what, I just need to know about this. And I just began to lay it out. And you know that feeling you get when you know you're saying somewhere, it's like, this is the end of the end. It's like, <sighs> sent, sent the, the email, and I just kind of slumped back because I just knew. It's like, <sighs> back to square one. And sure enough, the response was, hey, maybe now is not the time for you or for us. Let's just put a comma here and see what happens. And I knew that comma was a period. It was just over. And, and so I just like, okay, God, I am, I am confused and I'm, I'm really hopeless. I just don't have anything left. And tried to make some certain things happen. And I, this is the, one of the two moments in my life where I, I felt like I heard the audible voice of God. When I was trying to make something happen, he said, now's not the time. And that was the end of 2009. And in 2010, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, <laughs> but there was this switch. And all of a sudden, we were talking about merging Mad City and Lake City to become City Church. There was life. There was hope. There was, okay, what's going on? I've told this to Tom and our staff so many times. I would be in a state of hopelessness right now had I made that decision and made that happen 
and not listen to God. Knowing what is happening here now and missing out, it would have destroyed me. And God knew that. He takes us out of our hopelessness and he, he just says, hold on. Hold on to the one thing that you know is stable and secure. And we have to say, okay, I trust you. It makes no sense. It made no sense for Mad City and Lake City to get together, to be honest. I mean, people had talked about it for 10 years. It just wasn't going to happen. Everybody would laugh, including us. Like, there's no way. But when God is in it, and it's his timing, wow. Something happens where you're like, yes, this is what hope is, is when we hold fast to what we know is true. God is with us. Amen. Life without Jesus is like throwing out the anchor into deep water and not having it attached to anything. It's just useless. But life with Jesus means that whatever we're going through now or in the future, we will make it because no matter what, God is with us. Amen? And he reaffirms this truth over and over through the word of God. In John chapter 16, 33, he says, Here on earth you will, again, you will, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You will. I will. We're going, just, that should be on our planner. Asterisk, subject to change. We are going to face the stuff. But guess what? We don't have to do it alone because he has overcome all of the stuff. There is always light at the end of the tunnel, even when we can't see it, even when we feel like we're at the very beginning of the tunnel. The Lord recognizes that we'll have troubles. It's inevitable. But that's not the end of it. Because even when we experience trials and drifting and storms, we can take heart because, again, that last statement, he has overcome the world. And Jesus is greater than anything we'll ever face. We can lose everything that we have, everything that we place our security in, everything, and still have all that we need. That's the truth of God's word. We can lose everything and still have all that we need. So the anchor really is this security blanket. Now, I'm not suggesting you get an anchor and you take it to bed with you. I'm just saying the anchor is our security. It's, it's the symbol of hope for all of us to remember that we have this anchor that is steadfast and secure. One of the stories that I read over a couple of weeks ago, I was just reading, I was actually studying for a test and something struck me, so I, I researched it a little bit more. I was reading about the persecuted Christians in the first century and just reading about all the things that they had to deal with for almost two centuries, on and off for two centuries, and, and they had to give up their homes, they had to flee from their families, they had to quit their, they had to leave their jobs, they just had to, because it was either stay there and die, not very nice deaths, or try and survive. And so they left everything, and they would take what they had, their kids, whatever, and they would leave everything else, and they would hide in these uh, tombs, in these caves, in these tunnels and catacombs, and they would make all of this stuff just to live. And their only hope was that they would survive another day. They would have each other. This was, this was the reality of life. Everything else was gone. And years later, when... Archaeologists and scholars found these places where these Christians hid. There were thousands of, of drawings and paintings on the walls of these caverns and tunnels. And the one thing that they found was there were over 66 different drawings of anchors. There were crosses made into anchors and all this, and, all this, and, it, it, and it, it had this description, our hope. They knew that the anchor... The anchor of, of Jesus was their only hope. They're hiding and they just kept finding hope by drawing on these walls. This is our hope. It's the anchor. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why would I just read that? Because I believe God wants to remind us, it doesn't matter what we're going through. We have this anchor of hope. It's Jesus. And he will see us through, and he will walk with us. And no matter what we're going through, we need to get on our knees, and we need to focus our attention. We need to grab hold of that chain or that rope and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm anchored to the Lord. Amen. 
I'm anchored to Jesus. I will not be moved. His promise is that he's our anchor. And he's steadfast and secure. I was going to mention how we used to sing hymns in church. And then we sang one this morning. Uh, but in front of you, you see those little slots. There used to be books there called hymnals. And then we used to sing different songs than we sing today. Uh, called hymns. And, and I wrote, I just, again... That little RAS thing going on. I just started singing this song one day that I learned back when I was a kid growing up in church. And it was, I'm anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. I'm anchored in Jesus, I'll fear no wind or wave. I'm anchored in Jesus, for he has power to save. I'm anchored in the rock of ages. Wow. We need to sing that again. That's the promise. We're going to face winds and waves and storms, but guess what? I'm anchored in Jesus. It's okay. I'm anchored to the rock of Jesus. He gives us stability in the storm. Point two, hope motivates us into action. See, hope plays this important part in our salvation. In Hebrews, it says, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We can't have faith without hope. Because that's what launches us into faith, hope. Hope plays this important part in our salvation of coming to relationship with Jesus. Faith is this action step. So we have hope that motivates us to faith, and faith takes action. Here's the thing that I know about God. We won't always understand and figure it out. It won't always make sense. It won't be very clear. In fact, most of the time, it's going to be pretty fuzzy. You ever look at pictures, and they're out of focus, and you're just trying to figure it out? That's kind of like life. We're just kind of, it's kind of out of focus. But if we will trust God, he'll begin to bring things into focus in the right time and in the right place. Like the anchor, hope grabs a hold of what is out of sight. In 1 Corinthians, it says this. Paul reminds us. He says, for now we see dimly, but then when we see him face to face, we will, we will know more clearly and more fully. And then it says, but now faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. We can't love without knowing God because he is love. And we can't have faith without hope. And those three things are the biggest things when it comes to the Christian faith. Faith, hope, and love. Hope, Jesus, is the anchor that, we, that is steadfast, it's secure, it's rock solid, it's not moving. And faith moves us into action. And so hope, hope causes us and motivates us into this action. Paul says in Romans 8, 25, if we have hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We move towards it. We have this thought, like, I know it's coming, so that's the direction that I'm moving, and that's what I want to do. There's one Puritan, uh, put it this way, the cable of faith casts out the anchor of hope and lays hold of the steadfast rock of God's promises. Those promises are written all throughout our Bibles. I will never leave you or forsake you. We heard it this morning in Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all of our needs according to his riches. We have the promises of God's word. In the darkness and in the hopelessness that we will face, we have to hold on to the promises. He will never leave us. He will supply. He will do what he said he will do because he can't lie. So hope motivates us to action, to do more, to keep looking, to keep pressing on. It's a powerful motivator. I'm going to read this because I think I'll screw it up. I, I, uh, I found this. It's a quote, and I, it was anonymous. But it says, hope is a powerful motivator. What we love, we pay attention to. And if we hope to get something from what we love, our hope will motivate us in that direction. Hope influences us either to take or not to take certain actions, depending on what we hope for. We will generally do all that we can, can to make sure that what we hope for happens the way we foresee it happening. 
And if we hope something does not happen, we generally do what we can to see that it does not happen. Because hope motivates us to move in a certain direction to do certain things. When we're in a state of hopelessness, what do we do? We try to do things to get out of that hopeless moment. We try and make things happen. We try and do things to get away from that feeling of hopelessness to find hope again, and that hope never leaves us. Just as I was pursuing to try and do something that was out of God's hands, he let me do it until I finally just said, okay, God, what? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. Not now. <laughs> okay. And he's always right. The question then becomes, what if we hope for something that is beyond our control? We still pray that what we hope for will happen. Isn't that true? I mean, at City Church, we pray for healings. We pray for miracles. We have seen many. We've also prayed and asked God to do healings and miracles and haven't seen them. We see dimly, out of focus. But one day we will be, we will see in focus. It doesn't keep us from praying. It doesn't, keep, it doesn't stop us from doing. It, it makes us and motivates us to do what we need to do in the moment. We will hope and we'll pray for favor in the job interview. It's out of our hands. That we find the right man or the right woman to marry. We pray that our children will grow up knowing and loving the Lord more personally, more intimately than we do. They're out of our hands, but we keep praying. We keep pressing in. We keep doing what we can do. Hope motivates us. It causes us to do something more. <laughs> when we found out that we were pregnant with our, with our first child, like most fir first parents, we started praying, oh God, what have we done? <laughs> like, well, we're not ready for this. Uh, what if we mess it up? <laughs> you know, it's like all first parents. I laugh now because it's funny, but it was so true, man. I've never prayed so hard. And I remember praying. This is so sad. It's so true, so I'm going to say it. I remember praying, God, please don't give me a girl. <laughs> I can't handle a girl. I, I'm a youth pastor. I know what, everything that happens. I'm like, I can't handle this. It's like, I don't think I can deal with it. I don't think I can handle having a girl. It'd just be so much easier to have a boy. I don't know why we think this stuff. And then I remember saying this, but God, if you do give us a girl, you have to promise me. All right, I'm making, a, I'm making God give me a promise. You have to promise me, promise me, promise me that you'll come back before she's 13. <laughs> Honest to God, I prayed that. I told people that. And we had a girl. <laughs> so guess what I told all my friends? Hey, Jesus is coming back in the next 12 years. Because <laughs> he promised. <laughs> he didn't promise. I promised that he, I asked that he would promise. Our daughter is now 25. We made it. And I wouldn't trade it in for the world. <laughs> Sometimes we hope for things that are just not only out of our control, are unrealistic and unright and not part of God's plan, but he always brings us around. And you look back and go, wow, <laughs> he was right and I was so wrong. God knows what he's doing. Hold fast to that, that one thing. This makes no sense. But God, you are steadfast and you are true and you don't change. Hope motivates us to be the best version of us that we can be. And that comes by fulfilling our purpose and our destiny that God created us to fulfill from the very beginning. To be the best that we can be. The best version of us. Amen? Point three. Hope mo moves us forward. The definition of hope, again, is the ex expectation or belief in the fulfillment of something desired. Here's what... Here's, Biblical hope for the believer. Those who 
know Christ, those who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior. Hope is a realistic expectation and longing for the future based upon the word of God. It's based on something. It's secure in something. We have these promises that said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I have given you a hope and a plan for your future. So we hold on to those things because at times that's not going to look very promising. But we hold on to that truth and it moves us forward. See, our human nature is, is far too focused on our mistakes, our messes, our junk, our unworthiness, our what ifs. But what if? Yeah, what if? So many times those questions rob us of our hope and keep us from moving on. And God just wants us to step out and say, trust me. He's going to tell us. If we're, if we're bringing him alongside of us or we're asking him to lead us and our focus and our attention is on him, he is going to lead us in the right direction. He's not going to lead us in this direction and go, ha, just kidding. <laughs> he's going to lead us into the truth. He's going to lead us into a place that is right, that is destined for us. He's not going to pull us into places where he doesn't want us. The focus and attention has to be on him. And will we make mistakes? Absolutely. Because we're going to be like, hey, God, what about this? This looks good. And he'll be like, yeah, if you want to stop there, go ahead. But that's not part of the plan. And then we got to get refocused and reattached to the one thing that is secure in Jesus. Hope deletes regrets and underlines expectations. Let me say that again. Hope deletes regrets and underlines our expectations. Here's what that means. Jesus already went to the cross. He already bore all the sins of the world. It says once and for all. He's bore our sins. Taken care of. Done. And when we confess... Our stuff, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Future hope. It launches us forward into what is to come. Not what is, not what we're going through, what is to come. Jesus bore it all. He took care of it. And verse 19 reminds us again, we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. I love that because he's inviting us to take a part and to share in this throne, this place where he is, to be a part of his life, that everything that Jesus has is ours and we have this security. We have a future with Jesus. And like the persecuted Christians put their faith in hope, in the anchor, the heart of Christian hope is the cross in the resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to read a devotion from November 2nd. Oh, and here's the funny thing. I can't read it without my glasses. And I knew that before I came, and I still didn't print it off. Don't make fun of me either. It says, The history of humanity would be sick and dreary, a sick and dreary story if it weren't for the rough-hewn tree of death on the hill of Golgotha. It was un- an unlikely place for a scene of history-changing triumph. The place where they executed criminals seems to be the last place to go to find hope. The scene where they killed the world's only innocent man doesn't seem like a, to be a place that excites celebration. But such is the paradox of grace. Death is the doorway to life. Hopelessness is the entrance to hope. Weakness is the place to find strength. Injustice is where mercy flows. Life comes to those who deserve death, and death is actually a victory. The end is really a beginning. Out of sorrow comes eternal celebration. The tomb is the place where new life begins. The impossible paradox of redemption become the the regular moves of transforming grace. Hope is sung in suffering's tune. Life is played on death's instruments. Grace doesn't play by the... Law, the law's score, and God composes hope from tragedy's notes. Hope doesn't seem like it would be found in a cross. The thing that was meant to destroy and bring destruction and for people to lose hope 
actually brings hope. And here's why. Because Jesus predicted that that was going to happen. He said, look, this is going to happen. And nobody would believe him. In fact, Peter's like, <laughs> um, Jesus, that's not happening. And Jesus rebukes him and says, Peter, you, you have no idea what you're saying. And Jesus says, this is going to happen. I'm going to the cross, but I'm changing the rules. In three days, I'm coming alive again. And we find hope not only in the death in the cross, but we find hope in the resurrection of Jesus because without the resurrection, Jesus is just like every other person who's ever died on a cross. He's like every other person who's ever just given up life. But because Jesus predicted, not only would he die, he predicted that he would live, we have this hope that we too will live with him forever. If it wasn't so, it wouldn't be in the Bible. But he's given us this hope. I will rise again. And he rose again, and all of a sudden we have this anchor, this symbol of stability. I love the idea that what the enemy wanted to symbolize as hopelessness becomes the symbol of hope. This is what Peter says of the resurrection in 1 Peter 1, 3. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy, for his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have this new hope. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Because his life moved on, our life moves on. It's our, it's our future hope. Jesus rose from the dead and is alive. What we're going through might be dark, might, be, might feel like hopelessness, but there is life. Our hope is in what God will do tomorrow, next week, next year, in the future. It's not based on our job or our family, or our finances, our kids, or anything else. It's in the truth of God and his word, and that hope flows from this unlimited source that I will. I challenge you, if you have never looked this up on Google or you don't have anything, look up the promises. Look up the I will statements in the Bible. Look in the promises that say what God will do and cling to those. Write them down, print them off, repeat them over and over. What God says he will do in you and through you and hold on to those because you will face hopeless moments, times of hopelessness or times when things didn't go right, but you have this hope. We don't have to live in hopelessness. We have a hope. He's resurrected and he's coming again. And we get to spend eternity with him. That's our future. And again, it might look dim, fuzzy, or unclear, but it will make sense one day. And we, many times in our life, we can look back and go, yep, I can see what God did. I didn't like it then, but I can see what he did. Stay connected to the anchor, Jesus, who is steadfast. That stead, word steadfast means loyal, faithful, committed, devoted, dedicated, dependable, reliable, steady, true, and secure. It's everything we need. Everything that we need. That's what that word is. And that's who Jesus is. I want to end with this verse in Romans 15, 13. Again, another life verse, and it just happens to have the word hope in it. Interesting. It says, May God, the source of all hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you what? Trust in him. In other words, hold fast to that anchor. Hold fast to that chain, to that rope, because he will not let you down. He will not let you go. He is strong, and he's secure and fast. So our job is to trust in him. That means to lean in on him, to secure yourself to him, so that we will overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit. 
Why would we want to overflow with hope? Because there is a world that we live in that is full of hopelessness. They have no hope. They're looking for hope. And that the Holy Spirit would rise up in us and that hope would overflow so it impact other people. Look, we're going to get through our stuff. And those of you who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have this relationship with him, you will get through. For the people who don't know Jesus, they are hopeless. It's like throwing the anchor overboard, and it's tied to nothing. We need to be that hope, because Jesus in us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will give us peace and joy that will overflow and give people hope. So we have this anchor, and we just need to get filled up and know who we are and where we're at and where we live and who he is so that we can have an impact on other people who are living without hope. This morning, maybe you're here and you've thrown in your anchor and you forgot to attach it and to secure it to the one thing that would stay secure. Maybe you've anchored and put your security in something else or someone else. This morning, I believe he's reminding us all to put our hope in him, the one who never fails, the one who never lets go who never gives up and never withdraws to put your hope in the anchor of Jesus. I have one more verse. Romans 5, 3. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Would you bow your heads? God, we are grateful for your security. In your promise. There's not a person in here who likes to go through those moments in those storms, in the darkness, in the times that feel hopeless. But God, we have this one thing that we can count on. You're our anchor. You're unbreakable and unshakable. You're unchanging. And you love us dearly. And you're just asking that we hold on tight. God, would you remind us in our times of darkness, in our times of struggle, in our times of whatever, would you bring the picture of an anchor to our hearts and to our minds? Would you remind us over and over that you are our source of strength? And while your heads are bowed, This morning, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not secure in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you've never made a decision or maybe you've just let go of that rope and just given up. This morning, if that's you and you felt, you felt God asking you, come back or or attach yourself to this anchor. And you want to make that decision this morning, would you slip up your hand? Every head is bowed, eyes closed. I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to make sure that your life is right with Christ, to give you that hope and that security. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you, I see that hand. Someone else? Would you just pray this with me in your heart? Lord, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me and for my sin, my messes. I invite you to come into my life right now. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me whole. And Father, would you teach me how to walk in relationship with you? Would you teach me to trust in you, the anchor of my soul. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. And while your heads are still bowed, I just want to pray for those who feel like they're in this place of hopelessness. That you're in a situation right now or your life is in this place where you feel like it's hopeless. I want you to know that God knows your stuff. 
and that you don't have to go through it alone. And if you're in that feeling this morning, I just want you to slip up your hand. This is just to acknowledge this is where I'm at right now. I'm just going to be truthful with myself and with the Lord. Just raise your hand. God sees your hand. He knows your heart. God, would you come in? Would you shine your light in the lives of those who raised their hand and just said, God, I need you. God, would you fill them with your power? Would you right this situation? God, would you give light at the end? Lord, thank you that you are secure, that you are steadfast, that you are unwavering. God, I pray that everyone who raised their hand, who feels this moment of hopelessness, that God, they would attach themselves to you and your security and they would not let go. But God, you would draw them to a place and a relationship with you that is like nothing else that they'll be able to look back and go, wow, that was painful, but I needed that. I needed that to get where I'm at right now. So God, would you do what only you can do? We ask in your name. If you would stand with me. You know, I was writing things down this week, and some of the things that I wrote down were, I can't promise you healing. And I can't promise that what you're going through right now will immediately turn right side up. But I can promise that he will receive you. He will receive. Those of you who raised your hand for salvation, you have been received. You're in the family. You're a part of his kingdom. That I can promise. I can promise that he'll be your strength when you can't go on, and I can promise that he will be your light in the darkness. I can promise that he will never, ever, ever leave you. He'll never let you go, and I can promise that he will be trustworthy when everyone else betrays you and when nothing else is certain. I can promise that he will be your anchor of hope. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. We're going to worship. If you have to leave, feel free to leave. We're going to ask the ministry teams to come on up if you need prayer for anything. Love to pray for you. If those of you raised your hand for salvation, I'd love to meet you this morning over here to my left. Have a great day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart.